Well, I think it is time to look at God's Word. Last week, we did start a new sermon series in Jonah, and my hope was that last week was just something to kind of tweak your curiosity, to start you maybe thinking about the book of Jonah and maybe opening your, your, your heart to something different. If you weren't with us last week, you can go on our YouTube uh, page or our website. Also, it's there, and you can uh, listen to last week's sermon if you'd like. But my hope is that you are ready to look at Jonah in a, in a new way, not just the book, but the prophet Jonah. You know, some of us learned about Jonah as children, and we may have categorized <clears throat> Jonah as, <clears throat> pardon me, we may have categorized Jonah as a failure, a failed prophet, maybe even a failed person. But I, I showed you last week that Jonah is mentioned in other parts of the Old and New Testament, and he's always mentioned as a prophet of God. He's never mentioned as a failed prophet. In fact, nothing outside of the book of Jonah has anything negative about Jonah. I mean, right there, that should make us question. Maybe, maybe we've been looking at Jonah in a way that isn't appropriate. Maybe we've been looking at Jonah in a way that isn't scriptural. Maybe Jonah wasn't a failed prophet. Well, last week I did challenge you to open the Scriptures and to look at what it actually says. My hope is that it challenged you enough that you actually went and read Jonah this week. You know, Jonah's not very long. It takes 10 minutes to read. So if, if I did anything good as a pastor last week, did I do enough to get you to spend 10 minutes in Scripture over the course of last week? I did not say that to guilt you, but if you're feeling guilt, that's probably from the Holy Spirit. So, well, you guys got to get into this a little bit more. Come on, that was funny. All right, we better pray because we are going to open up God's Word. Lord God, as we do open up your word, it is with an expectation that you will speak. But God, we want you to speak in such a way that we can hear. And that means that we must open our hearts to you. We believe the Bible is the inspired word from you. But we also believe that our reading of it must be inspired by you. The words and the reading of the words must be inspired by you. And so, Holy Spirit, please be here. Speak to us into the inner parts of our heart from your word this morning. We are listening. Amen. I'm going to read the first chapter of Jonah to you, the first 17 verses, which that's what chapter 1 is. I would ask that you would take your Bibles out if you haven't already and follow along. It will be on the screen, but if you've got your Bible in front of you, that's much what I would prefer. Jonah chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. And paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? 
Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What did you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three days. Nights. A story you've heard before, but now are you ready to hear it with an open heart? So I want to start with a fun fact. Uh, during the timeline series of sermons I did a number of years ago, I threw in fun facts every so often. Uh, fun facts are tidbits of history or culture or language. They help us understand God's big story. God's big story. You know the word history? His story. That's history. His story. So, here's the fun fact. The word Jonah, now this is a fact you probably do not know about Jonah. The name Jonah means dove in Hebrew. Dove. If you remember the story in Genesis chapter 8, Noah sent a dove uh, from the ark, and the dove returned with an olive branch, an enduring symbol of peace and compassion. And this dove, it, it symbolized that Yahweh's, Yahweh was faithful, that peace could come again. And now Jonah, the prophet, the dove, Jonah's name is Dove. God sends a dove to Nineveh. Isn't that interesting? Didn't know that about Jonah, did you? Yeah, the word Jonah does not mean crow or vulture. It's not some ugly, despicable bird. It's the most precious bird of peace. That's the name of this book. So every time from now on, when you look at the, the name Jonah, when you read Jonah in your Bible list, if you're a release time teacher and you're teaching the names of the Bible, when you get to the, the book of Jonah, it means dove, peace. Interesting, huh? 
And you know, doves are not just talked about in Genesis chapter 8. In the Old Testament, doves also, they lament and they moan. Isaiah 38, Isaiah 59. So doves are like, they, they moan, they lament. And doves are also birds of sacrifice. Do you remember? In Leviticus chapter 5, the poor could bring doves as a sacrifice to God. Does that remind you of Jonah just a little bit? And the psalmists, if you read the book of Psalms, when they talk about doves, when they talk about a Jonah to flee from the terrors of death, Psalm 55, verse 4. Jonah flees like a dove in Jonah 1 from the terror of Nineveh. You might get the impression that the book of Jonah was put together on purpose. And maybe the purpose that we think is Jonah is very far from what God's actually doing in this book. The dove, the sign of peace, lamenting, it's good. You know, the book of Jonah is superbly crafted. Everything in this story, everything in this story is on purpose. And when you think about it, like I just said, you can read it in 10 minutes. The story, the enduring story of Jonah that has, has gone through millennia can be read in 10 minutes. Think about the power of those, that's such a small group of words that can be read in 10 minutes that has, has had an enduring presence for 2,700 years. That's pretty good writing. Yeah. And by the way, there's, there's, there's literary, literary clues in Jonah that help us understand. Look, if you look back at just Jonah chapter 1, find the word great. Find how many times the word great is in Jonah chapter 1. There's a great city, a great wind, a great storm. Oh, and the sailors experienced great fear of the Lord. The great fish. You might get the impression that the story of Jonah is about great things. And it is. Very, very great things. Everything in Jonah is supersized. Everything is great. Everything is big. Everything has a huge infilling of meaning. That's the book of Jonah. And there's details in Jonah that pull us into the story. Just fascinating things like, look at verse 3. It says that after Jonah paid the fare, why would you include that in the story? Does it matter that Jonah paid the fare? Like, is that some great theological consequence? It means it's a detail that you would have to do to get on this ship. Like, it pulls you into the story. Can you picture yourself going up? Jonah had to take money out of his pocket, money that he had probably earned by being a prophet. He had to take the resources that God had given him to run from God. How many times do we take the resources that God gives us to run from God. A little detail like that that seems insignificant, but do you know what details like this do? They put us in the story. And I think we are meant to see ourselves in this story everywhere. But there's a big question, and th this is important now. Whenever you read Scripture, you, you should be looking for the meaning, obviously, of what you're reading, but a lot of times there is a big message, a big 
a big thing you're supposed to get out of, of a book of Scripture like Jonah. And when you ask yourself, what is the big question in Jonah, you might come up with some possibilities. One of the possibilities that most likely many of you have come up with over your life is that store, the big question of Jonah is, how in the world did he survive for three days in a fish? Might I suggest to you that is not the big question in Jonah. It's the question most people think about. It's the question most people talk about. And when you, if someone were to ask you before I started this Jonah series, what do you know about Jonah? What's the first thing you would say? As if that's the biggest thing. Why in the world do we think that the first thing we should say about Jonah is that he was swallowed by a fish? Might it be we've completely missed the point? The biggest thing about Jonah is not that he was swallowed by a fish. It's actually one of the smaller details in the story. It's kind of mentioned as an afterthought in chapter 1. Why do we say things like that? And, you know, when we say the book of Jonah and all you think about is a fish, I think there's more to think about. I think, in fact, I don't even think that's the big question. Well, maybe there's another big question that we should ponder about Jonah. Maybe the big question of Jonah is... <clears throat> Does Jonah give us an example for how not to follow God? Now, a lot of us, that's like, we, we understand that the big fish is not the biggest thing. But then the next thing we say is, Jonah shows us how not to follow God. As I have been saying last week and again this week, I'm pounding it again this week. I think that's wrong. I think for us to say, as we read from Jonah... That when we think of Jonah as, if you think, well, it's not about the fish, but Jonah just shows us the wrong thing to do. I think that's incorrect. Now, did Jonah do everything perfectly? That's not what I said. But the big issue of Jonah, the book of Jonah, is not that he's a bad example. See, sometimes I think when we teach Jonah in Sunday school or release time, I think we just say, and let me show you what a bad example of of a follower of God is. His name is Jonah. Again, I don't think that's right. So, well, unfortunately, that perspective of Jonah has been reinforced over and over and over again in the church. So, my daughter, my daughter Gabrielle, who just stepped out for a moment, challenged me to do something in this sermon, so I'm going to do it. This is about two minutes. Dave, would you do that? She's in the ministry. When I was a boy, I went to church back home in Arizona. And that is where I heard the tale of a man whose name was Jonah. Now, Jonah was a prophet, but that's not why he's remembered. We tell the tale, cause in a whale, he nearly was dismembered. Spot it. A doodly doo. He did not get the point. Compassion and 
ship in a dreadful gale. Got eaten up by a giant whale, but managed not to be dead. You'd think he would learn a lot from being safe from an awful spot, but the second chance that he had got, he didn't want to be spread. So that song, as many of you do as well. And I do want to say this before I say anything else. I like VeggieTales. I'm not holding VeggieTales up as this terrible thing. And I appreciate Phil Vischer. He's got a lot of good things to say. And I'm not even saying that that's wrong entirely. But I want you just to think about it. It's, Jonah's just one big bad example. Now, they talk about compassion and mercy and all that's good. Obviously, that's part of the book of Jonah. But was Jonah a bad prophet? Did he really never get it? I want to talk about that just a little bit. Because I think there is a really important theme in the book of Jonah. And the theme isn't about Jonah at all. It's about God. And specifically, the big question I think is, what is the character of God? You see, God has attributes in his character. You guys know this, right? What's an attribute of God? Compassion. Love. Mercy. Justice. Forgiveness. Peace. Now here's the trick. All these nice five ones, love, mercy, all that stuff, and then you got justice over here. How do those go together? I think Christians are very misunderstood. We misunderstand the character of God. Because somehow, we really like to focus on God's love and mercy and compassion. But let's, let's move back away a little bit from the justice. Or, Christians like to do it the other way around. We're really going to focus on God's justice. This is the hellfire brimstone preaching of 50 years ago. Okay, We're really going to focus on the justice and not really talk about the love. Do you know what Christians have a problem doing? Talking about both at the same time. Now, if you don't think we've got a problem about doing that, would you please just take a look at what's happening in our country right now? Do we have a problem putting love and justice together? The answer is yes. We seem to have a significant problem with that. In fact, we have so much of a problem that we're going to love you to the point of screaming in your face if you don't agree with us. Amen. No. 
Do you see, the big question in Jonah is how can God's love and justice coexist? Now, this is a big question. And our position is very much similar to Jonah's. I mean, what do you suppose should be done about the evil in our world today? What should be done about the Taliban? What should be done about ISIS-K? What should be done about drug, drug dealers that are coming across the border from Mexico? What should be done about gang members? What should be done about violent people? Do I need to go into the next section? What should be done about those people that don't get a vaccine? What should be done about those people that do get a vaccine? What should be done about those people that require us to get a vaccine? Are you for real? Have you read Jonah? Do you know that we're supposed to be doves in the middle of all of this? Do, do, do you know that? Well, I'm kind of thinking we don't. <laughs> I'm kind of thinking we don't. After all, what should be done with all those evil people? Let's lock them up in jail. Make sure they can't get across the border. Let's blow them up with a drone strike. Praise God. Oops, did I go too far? Are we reading Scripture or not? Are we trying to understand God or not? Are we trying to understand in a way that we have trouble understanding that God's justice and love are both part of God's character? One little phrase that I have found helpful that I picked up in seminary, was this. If God is an ounce of anything, He is an infinite amount of that thing, or He's not God. Now think about that. If God is an ounce of love, He's an infinite amount of love. If God has an ounce of compassion, He's an infinite amount of compassion. But if God has an ounce of justice, He's also an infinite amount of justice. God cannot have finite attributes. If He had finite attributes, He would no longer be God. So we must wrestle with the fact that God is infinite love and infinite justice. He is both of those things. But now look at Jonah. We hold Jonah up as this terrible example. But do you remember what I said about Nineveh last week? I, I couldn't even quote for you how bad Nineveh was. We think ISIS-K is bad? Not even close. Not even close to the historical record we have of Nineveh and the Assyrian Empire. They were bad. They're worse than Rome. Like, they were a lot worse than the Roman Empire. And, and especially around Easter, we talk about how bad the Romans were, don't we? Oh, crucifixion was so bad. It was. It was really bad. The Assyrians were worse. The Romans were less severe than the Assyrians. And by the way, the, the, the country that Jonah was a prophet to was the northern kingdom of Israel. Assyria was the primary enemy, the primary bad guys for the northern kingdom of Israel. Do you know that only a couple decades after Jonah, Nineveh, Assyria, destroyed the northern kingdom? Timeline small group. What was the year that the, that the Assyrians destroyed it's, I told you there's only two dates you've got to remember. The year, what, what? False, good guess. 722. 
722 B.C. 722 B.C. is when the Assyrians destroyed the northern kingdom. Close. 586 is the southern kingdom. So, 722. Jonah preached in like the 750s and 60s. Like three decades later, his country was destroyed by this group. They were bad. If you were Jonah, what would you have thought about God directing you to preach a message of repentance to a group of people that were so heinous, so awful, a group of people that was literally on the doorstep of destroying your country? What would you have done? Oh, but it's worse than that. It's worse than that. You know, we're quick to judge Jonah for not going to do what God called him to do. But look at what God called him to do. Preach a message of warning to the worst group of people that has ever lived on the face of the earth. A group of people that were directly threatening his homeland. And so, you know, we we sometimes skip over this really simple question. Why did Jonah run? And sometimes we, we try to explain Jonah away. Maybe he ran because he was afraid the, the, the Ninevites were going to kill him. Jonah wasn't afraid of dying. He told the sailors, I'm the cause, chuck me over. He wasn't afraid of dying. Not at all. So why did, God, why did Jonah run away from God's call? Why did he go in the opposite direction from Nineveh to Tarshish? And of course, most of you know, Tarshish was as far away as you could go. It's like the end of the earth. It was, Tarshish is like the, the, the tip of Spain. And remember, Jonah was in Israel. So it's like, that was the farthest you could go on a ship. It's like, it's like that, that uh, plane, the, the longest plane ticket you can get today is like 27 hours or something in a plane. That he, he, like, he got that ticket. Like the farthest ticket you could go in the opposite direction. Why? It wasn't because he was scared. It's because he disagreed with God. Now, we automatically assume that Jonah disagreeing with God was sinful. I'm not convinced it was. Hmm. It's difficult for us to think about God without thinking about Jesus. Us. Everything we look at in Scripture is colored by Jesus, and it should be. It's a good thing that we see Jesus all through Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament. But consider Jonah. He did not know Jesus. Jonah lived over 750 years before Jesus. So just, here's one of the problems we have when we do eisegesis instead of exegesis. Imagine if you didn't know anything about Jesus, what you would think about this situation. Even greater than that, Jonah, the entire Old Testament hadn't even been written when Jonah was around. Like all of the later prophets weren't, hadn't been written yet. So like we think about all oh, how great Malachi is and how Malachi said, love your neighbor and do all this kind of, that's after Jonah, 200 years. So think about what Jonah knew when God presented him with this information. When God said, yeah, go to the Ninevites. Tell them that, that they're, they're going to be judged and offer them repentance. You know, think about what came before Jonah. Let me help you. If I had my timeline out, I would do that. But think about what came before Jonah. God told the Israelites, go into Canaan 
the land of Canaan, and kill everybody there because I'm giving you the land. Okay? Okay. And then, after they came into the land, there were still some people groups there, and there were still problems, and God said, I will raise up for you judges that will rescue you from these people, these pagans that are around you. Now, you remember what a judge looks like? Let me show you what a judge looks like. Okay, that's a judge. Okay, that's what we think of when we see a judge. That is not a biblical judge. I told you this in the timeline. Let me show you what a biblical judge looks like. That's a biblical judge. Okay? The biblical judges were Conan the Barbarian. That blood is the blood of the pagan nations around them. Oh, you remember David, you know, wrote Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Do you remember him? Oh, isn't that nice? One of the bloodiest kings ever. So bloody that God said, I'm not going to let you build my temple even though I love you because there's so much blood on your hands. Right? Jonah is a prophet just a little bit after David. Jonah is a prophet to the northern kingdom. And do you know what the kings did? In fact, Jeroboam II, the king, who was king while Jonah was a prophet, expanded the borders of the northern kingdom back to the way they were at the time of David and Solomon. Do you know how you expand borders in the ancient times? With the sword. Do you understand from Jonah's perspective? I'm trying to get you to see from Jonah's perspective. Look at the pattern he has seen. His entire understanding of how God works was that God allowed and even commanded the Israelites to go in and kill them and take the land. Are you there? Are you, are you pulling yourself out of, of the glasses that we always wear when we read Scripture and actually looking at this from Jonah's perspective? From Jonah's perspective, the right thing to do would be what? From Jonah's perspective, and when I say the right thing, let me say this again. What, from Jonah's perspective, what is the godly course of action? Put that picture back up of Conan the Barbarian, would you, Dave? There is the godly course of action. And now, maybe for the first time, putting it all together, the timeline and how putting all this together, now I want it to click in place. That should have been God's will, according to Jonah. That is what Jonah expected the right thing to be, is that. Do you see this? So when Jonah flees from God, it's not because he's rebellious against God per se, although he is rebellious. It's because he disagrees with God. He is challenging the fact that God is not being consistent with God's character. You see, Jonah's fleeing from God's call is Jonah saying, I disagree with 
what God is telling me to do because it's not consistent with who God is. Do you understand what Jonah's doing? He's being a faithful prophet. Faithful to what has come before him. Oh, it's so hard for us to see the Old Testament with these kind of eyes. Do you see it? Is it clicking in? And all of a sudden, Jonah changes in your mind when you realize this. Now Jonah's asking a question that is so pertinent to us today. The question he's asking is, is mercy really compatible with the character of God? Oh, now we've got a problem, don't we? Because we're faced with the same question today. Is mercy consistent with the character of God today? Jonah did not believe that the Ninevites deserved a warning. Did the judges give the pagan nations a warning? Did King David give a warning to the Philistines? No. Consider this perspective about Jonah that you may never have considered before. And this is important. Jonah is the first time in Scripture that God calls one of his people to participate in the risky task of preaching repentance and forgiveness. Jonah's the first time. Have you thought about that before? Jonah's the first time that God asks somebody to preach repentance and forgiveness. If you were Jonah, don't you suppose you might question that? Knowing that a thousand years of Jewish history before you goes the other way. You see, this double-edged theme of God's active mercy towards enemies and the call of God's people to trust God enough to proclaim that mercy, it has its beginnings in Jonah. That's a quote from a commentary, an IVAC commentary. Do you understand? Repentance and mercy starts with Jonah. Of course, we know our Savior, Jesus Christ, is the one who brought that into completion, isn't it? Things like love your neighbor. Do you remember Jesus said, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, right? Jesus sets that straight then. Think about how Jonah was 750 years before that. What if Jonah is a good example of being a prophet, not a bad one? Jonah is making sure that what he is saying is consistent with who God is. Here's the amazing thing about Jonah. He was being introduced to a characteristic of God that he didn't understand yet. Praise God. Our God is a God of mercy. Most prophets of the Old Testament and the New Testament, by the way, are not good examples. You know what's interesting? I, I, just, I just had a, a pastor talk to me and asked me, and, and Mark, you put this on, on the screen a long time ago, you, you listed the characteristics of somebody 
um, who would be considered for a senior pastor. And all of those characteristics are terrible characteristics. And they were a description of the Apostle Peter. (laughs) And then you list another one, and it was the Apostle Paul. Terrible characteristics. But think about all of the people in the Old Testament. Abraham is a terrible example of how to be faithful to God, by the way we judge today. I mean, two times he told kings, Sarah's not my wife, you can have her for your harem. What? Why did he do that? Because he didn't trust that God would protect him. Look at Moses. He complained repeatedly about the fact that he wasn't a good, going to be a good prophet. Moses. He, he complained so many times. If you read Exodus 3 and 4, God actually gets angry. I mean, Abraham, Moses, look at David and Bathsheba. Oh, there, there, are, there are very few, if any, like what we would call good examples. Why is that? I mean, even think about Jeremiah. Listen to Jeremiah the prophet. Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 7 through 9. Oh, Lord, you deceived me. Have you said that to God recently? When's the last time you said to God, God, you lied to me? Oh, sacrilegious. I can't say that, right? Is that sacrilegious? The prophet Jonah, look, this is, this is Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, whom we think is a great prophet, wrote one of the longest books in the Bible, super good prophet. Look at what he says to God. You lied to me. You lied to me. And I I bought it. Lord, you deceived me and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. But if I say I will not mention him or speak any more of his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. This is the prophet Jeremiah, frustrated that he has to preach, but he starts by saying God deceived him. Oh, this is, how do we, what do we do with this? You know what we do in the church today? We ignore passages like that. Let's not talk about that one. Let's not. You see, when Jonah ran from God, we assume it was because Jonah had a moral failure, like he was too weak in his faith. I think that's false. I think Jonah is in a long line of godly people who were bold enough to say, I think you lied to me. Abraham, Moses, David, Jeremiah, how many examples do you need to understand it's okay to be honest with God? Jonah. You know, we come to church, we wear our fancy clothes, we we talk really nice like everything's wonderful, and then now we get to go on Facebook and portray this wonderful, perfect life. And Instagram, and Snapchat, and Twitter. And I'm probably missing 14 of them, right? We, we get to just proclaim, everything's great with me, right? Everything's wonderful. God is just sweet and everything. Have you ever considered that like 25% of the Psalms are lament Psalms? 
They're people crying out to God, asking God why he's doing stuff to them. God, why aren't you coming to my defense? God, why aren't you protecting me? God, why are you lying to me? God, this isn't what I signed up for. God, this is too hard. God, are you sure you want me to go talk to those people? They're killers. God, I don't agree with this. Do you know what God, would you just look at Jonah chapter 1 again? Does God say, oh, Jonah, you shouldn't question me? Because this is what we sometimes in the church, we say things like, you shouldn't question God. Don't question God. But look at what, look at what God does not do. He does not say to Jonah, you're a really bad prophet. Why don't you just have the faith, Jonah, to follow what I say? Come on, Jonah, get with the program. Do you know what that is? That's us in our thinking, believing that somehow we can be good enough. See, we're, ho- we're a holiness people. We believe that it's possible to live victoriously over sin. But you know how quickly that distorts into thinking, and you should be living victoriously over sin all the time, and if you're not, you're a bad person. Did I just give a mixed message there? No. Look at Jonah. Jonah was upset because God told him to go. Now think about this, and then we're done. What really nasty thing have you gone through lately that caused you to question God? Because I've got one. I've got one right now, and I'm frustrated with God. God! How could you let that happen? Is that you? Because it's me right now. I'm not going to go into it, but just to let you know that this is real. My home church that I grew up in my whole life has pulled out of the church of God. And I'm, I'm mad about that. You know who I'm mad at? I am upset with the people that instigated this. But you know who I'm actually mad at? I'm mad at God. Why did he let it happen? He had the power to stop it. Where are you? Now let's get real for a second. Because I'm tired of playing Christian. You know, playing Christian doesn't work. Are we going to be for real or not for real about following Jesus Christ? Because I'm tired of playing Christian. If you haven't noticed in the last year and a half, it doesn't work. I'm mad about the pandemic. I'm mad that God would let that happen. I'm mad. I'm mad that God would allow Romans 13 to be written in Scripture so that I have to defend that as a pastor. I'm mad about that. I don't like it any more than you do. But it's there. I'm upset that God would allow these things to happen. Are you upset? Have you been willing to finally be real with God and voice it? Because most Christians aren't. They're just playing. Jonah is not just playing. 
And in a very long list of faithful people, he's willing to say, I disagree. And God's willing to listen. Now, God confronts him. That's next week. I'm trying to establish today, it's okay to be upset with God. It's okay to speak your frustration. Huge portions of Scripture are dedicated to this kind of thing. We just don't like to read them. We skip them. When was the last time you said, I want to go read all the lament psalms? I can't wait to read Lamentations. Super fun! Lamentations is a five-chapter lament psalm. Almost never, right? We just like to stay on the little paths that we stay on. So, here's the end of it. If you're facing an incredibly difficult time right now, grief, pain, loss of a loved one, some kind of medical problem, are you facing anger about COVID? Are you, are you angry at our government? Are you angry about vaccines? Are you angry about people that won't get vaccines? Are you angry about people that will get vaccines? Are you angry that somebody might tell you to wear a face mask? Are you angry that somebody won't tell you to wear I, I mean, notice I'm saying both sides of this. Bring it to God. His shoulders are wide enough, broad enough. There's all kinds of stuff. Is your marriage falling apart? Do you need to bring this to God? Do it. These difficulties in your life that you and I are facing are real. Jonah was not a bad prophet. Jonah was a real prophet. That's my message today. Thank you, God that you have preserved for us an example of a real prophet of God, someone that we can really identify with. Let us no longer play Christian. Let us approach you honestly. Give us the strength to do it. In Jesus' name, amen.